Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. And that's the first time this season that I've said that, but delighted to be back on the mic. And we have Pat with me today. Hello, Pat. How's it going, mate? Not very fresh, that fresh, 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 is it? Or is it actually the freshest? We're not living up to our name, we've got to admit. Uh, And just to explain to our loyal listeners who are wondering what happened, um, unfortunately, I had some, some health issues dating back a few months now which are pretty much over um so hopefully we can get back back into the groove again um i believe our last podcast was either reviewing the ben white signing which it was just before ben white was signed and we did a review on the signing and someone tweeted as soon as we put it out we haven't even signed him yet why are you doing this episode yeah i think he didn't actually sign for like a couple weeks after that yeah it was it was known it was going to happen wasn't it so I think if you go back and listen to that podcast, what we said has probably come true quite good. Well, I mean, if You're we take a sure. step back, uh, no, no, I, I think I am. I really like Ben White and I think he's been good this season. I think a lot of people have been like, oh, is he a 50 million pound player? And, you know, price aside, there was a need that needs to be filled there in terms of a ball playing centre back. And I think there was a lot of Arsenal fans who were kind of like, do we even need a centre back? And looking back on it now, it's it's kind of crazy that we, a lot of us thought that. And I think for us as well, we were making that podcast, we were like, it's probably not high up on our priority list. Mm. But um, he's been great. And I think that he was never going to be cheap. And I've said this for, for so long. Any Anytime anyone's like, yeah, he was 50 million. He should be amazing. It's like, he was 50 million because he's amazing at like a specific set of things. And also the fact that he's English and young, but also the fact that he they, they'd rejected 30 million, was it a season or two seasons before from Leicester? So he was always going to be more than that. And I think when players start breaking into the England squad, there are, you know, 
specific things in their contracts that make them earn more money when they're internationals and, and, and so on and so forth. So it was always going to be more difficult as soon as he got into the England squad and he was never mm. going to be cheaper than 30 million. And I'm really happy with him. I think we both tweeted and both agreed that it was going to be great to see him and Gabriel together, um, mm-hmm. who a lot of people forgot about in terms of how good he is because he had a rough second half of last season. So, so yeah, really happy with that and, and happy with how the defence has shaped up, really. Yeah, good place to start because, I mean, there was a lot of debate, wasn't there, about resource allocation in the summer uh, and, and not just on White. Uh, another big name as part of that discussion was Ramsdale, who I don't think even his biggest fan would have foreseen him being as good as, as he's been. Uh, I assume you feel, feel similarly surprised by Aaron's start. I'm glad we never did a podcast episode on that because it would have been like, me speaking for 10 minutes you speaking for five and jb just for 45 minutes consistently slagging off the signing but like as as you said not even a stauncher supporter would have been um like wow that's a great move for him and he's going to do amazingly like i genuinely think maybe the only people that believed in that were like him his agent and nicola and Mm. to be honest right like it's another example, though. He went for 16 to 18 million or 18 million to Sheffield United. So he was never going to be cheaper than that. And to get them, to get him off their hands after one season, you're going to stump up cash. And I always said, like, look, if he came for like 20 million, you can kind of give it the benefit of the doubt. But if he comes for 30 plus and he's not a starter, the resource allocation question is there. And then it's like the how good is he question. Mm. But I think sometimes like the best way to judge young players is how many minutes they've got in their legs as like a, a youngster. And him being only behind Donnarumma in under 23 keepers in terms of minutes played in top five leagues was kind of an eye opener to me when I saw that stat when he when we'd signed him. And not, not saying that changed my mind, but I did kind of think like, you know what, like... I, I'm, I've i not been Leno's biggest fan for the last 12, 18 months. And I was kind of like, let's see what he's got. And what he's got is, you know, a lot of heart. He plays with the right kind of intensity and passion that I think we've been wanting as fans for ages. But then he also wants to play on the ground from a, you know, on the ball perspective. Some of the passes he's made are outrageous. Like I've been to quite a few games this season and like in the stadium, some of the passes he makes are reacted to in the same way that like a Gabriel Martinelli nutmeg is mm. like, they really are people really He's a fan's are astounded favorite, by how good them. Yeah, Already. exactly. And I mean, I, I'm presuming you saw the sky sports interview pre last game where he was kind of talking about having to turn comments off and, mm. and stuff like that. And I felt really bad for him. I was like, do you know what? Like from a like mental health perspective for mm. him to do that, have that much pressure on him and then do what he's done is like pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And and one thing I would to echo that point is to say he's a young goalkeeper. He's probably in a, in a great bit of form at the moment. Naturally he's going to have some low points. And I just yeah. hope that our fans when, when he does have some bad games, even bad periods, um, cause that's the next test for him really, isn't it? How he reacts to uh, a mistake or a period of bad games, which are, will happen to the best keeper in the world, let alone yeah. a, a 23-year-old. So hopefully and, and he's, just, um, our fans Just on that, him. right? Just on that, right? Like there was maybe some criticism about the Odson-Edward goal against Palace, but I was in the stadium at that time and the ball literally 
like it went from foot to goal so quickly that I would have been shocked if he'd saved that. Mm. There was a bit of criticism on the uh, Mane header. Again, like when it's six yards out, you can't really ever blame your keeper. But I think he would have been annoyed at that. And he, you know, there's a, there's all that kind of thing about like keepers jumping on their line, jumping up and down on their line. Like, would he have got it if he wasn't in the air? Then there was, was it the Bruno Fernandes one that he got a hand on or another one where he was visibly like pissed off at himself for not saving it. And mm. I was like, it's like four yards out. <laughs> it's it's traveling at so much speed. There's no expectation on you saving it. So I'm, I'm, I think from the personality he is, I'm kind of confident in, him bouncing back from a mistake when it does inevitably happen because as you mentioned he's a young keeper Mm. and I think discussion around the whole back five really we've got to give there's a lot of criticism given to Edu the club Arteta when when they do questionable things but if we look at that back five now Ramsdale White Gabriel Tomiyasu and one of Tierney or Tavares uh, Tierney aside Edu and Arteta have recruited all of those players they're all about 23. They look like they complement each other really well. Yeah, They've had some some poor games as a unit in those bigger games, but I think that's natural sort of, uh, you know, ultimately we're playing the best teams in the league. They're a very young, new defence. But it, it's not often I'd be excited about defensive players, but it really just excites me, the thought that if they can all stay fit and, and stick together and, and keep bonding, which is so important um, from a defensive standpoint, that is such a exciting base for me. Definitely. And I think one of the things that I'm excited for, and I, this might sound really stupid and crude, right, is adding pieces to that defensive unit that make it so... Like, because I'm kind of concerned if Ben White or Gabriel get injured. Like, I, I know holding's a relatively solid center back and he's he was pretty good for us last season and at one point he was kind of one of the first names on the team sheet um Mm. because of injuries and obviously he's like part of that leadership group but i think if you have a saliba coming back and we have europe and he can play and he wants to stay and we get maybe another right back because clearly from like I mean, going back to the first game of the season when Tavares came on at right back, (laughs) which was probably a message to the board, right? And saying like, I need a right back ASAP. He obviously, and I think you've been talking about this for like 12 months, right? He doesn't rate any of the right backs we have considering, Mm -hmm. you know, Bellerin's on loan. Cedric's only ever played in in cup games this season. He hasn't come on or sometimes not made the, the squad. So I think if we can get like, if Saliba comes back and wants to play for Arsenal Football Club, because he's really, really good, and I hope he does, and I hope he signs another deal, um, and we get like a, and again, like I'm kind of just throwing names out there, a, a Lamptey style right back who maybe is a bit more progressive and, and on the front foot, then I think suddenly you have like a, a really good base of defenders that you can build on. And again, maybe that, that priority isn't there in the summer. I do think we need another right back and I think we'll we'll look at that. But yeah, like Tommy Asu has been awesome. I think when he first came, obviously... Uh, like I do this, the State of Play, Play podcast with um, Matt and Martino, both big Serie A fans. And I kind of asked them like when we when we, when we saw the links, even to, to kind of like other Premier League clubs before we got links, which was like, what, what do you think about this guy? And they only had good things to say about him. Nothing like specific. They were just like, yeah, really good player, like really solid. Um, and I think one of the things that shocked people the most is he's he's clearly not like a, technically proficient player 
But I think he's actually underrated in that department in the sense that I think a few of the FB ref stats coming out was that he plays as many weak foot passes as like Santi Cazorla does. And obviously he's not as good with either foot as Cazorla. But if you have that dexterity that him and um, Nuno Tavares have, it kind of does open the game up a lot more because how many times have we complained about like Bellerin cutting in and having to go backwards or down the line because he can't pass inside. And I think the ability to do that um, as a right or left back is actually really, really understated. And it's allowed us to, you know, play some really nice attacking patterns because he's been able to play inside or like basically have the ability to play any any direction he wants so super happy with Tommy Asu. he's also super young he looks like 40 but is 23 like he's younger than me which is pretty fucking mad isn't it mm. um, <laughs> but he's just been so good so solid and again like the attitude the the kind of like he can have a you know he had a pretty poor game against Liverpool like most other defenders did that has a really great game against Newcastle and then an amazing game against West Ham he was like amazing in in the North London derby. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm, I'm super happy with him as a signing. Yeah, he's going to have learning points, isn't he? I think that Brighton game as well, which I think ended yeah. in a nail, he got, he got roasted by Kukurea. But um, <laughs> What a strange player to get roasted by. <laughs> I know. He's, he's defended really well against some, some top players. But, um, yeah, I think that's all part of it, isn't it? That learning experience. New, new league completely. But I, uh, I wrote a piece when the the window ended um, on the website and it's there's so many uh, strategic themes that sort of blend between all the signings. Um, And one of them is attitude. And I think his attitude is clearly, um, he's a very hardworking, um, you know, right-minded type of person. I think he's just perfect for Arteta in that respect. Um, Another theme with sort of all our players is progressing the ball forward and um, I think that's a bit underrated. He sort of got uh, everyone to talk about his defensive attributes, which are solid. But I think we're starting to see now more of that contribution to the build-up play as well. He doesn't necessarily need to be overlapping um, yeah. Saka to contribute to that. But um, yeah, I think the two-footedness helps. Yesterday, in yesterday's game against West Ham, he actually had the most attacking third passes of anyone. So I think as he gets more comfortable as well, we'll start to see see more in his game. Um, so yeah, another quality. And, and I also think a perfect foil for Saka, right? Mm. Like to be able to give Bukayo Saka less def- defensive responsibility and just say like, like last night, right? Like just go and attack the fullback as many times in a game as you can. Because when he does, um, it, it's kind of like, if we go back to that Brighton game, right? Where you just mentioned, and again, this is slightly tangential, but... Bakayo Saka in that first five minutes gets the ball, like absolutely tears the defence apart and then has like a pretty weak shot into into the keeper's hands. And we never really got him the ball in that entire game again, like mm. at all. And I think what we're kind of trying to see, starting to see now and, and why Tommy Asu is probably having a big influence is because our best player plays in front of him and like try and give him the ball as much as possible and don't really mess around with it and the other thing the last thing i want to say about tommy Asu is like when you watch him like and you and you just watch him and concentrate on on him specifically every time the ball comes to him he always wants to pass forward first 
and his second or third option is backwards or into the middle like it's his like his first even if it's sometimes a crappy like loved ball in behind and it, it comes to nothing or the ball's bouncing towards him and he, he he wants to like turn teams around and like but like put pressure on them if that makes sense mm. and i think that's not like it's kind of like when tierney gets the ball he he always stands with his hands by his side like where is everyone that i want to pass to in front and i kind of like that even even if they don't have the, the technical ability to play like a a cutting ball between the lines because they want to put pressure on the other back four or back five rather than get it get it onto them so yeah mm. really happy with him i think that's um that goes back to the theme i was talking about in terms of people who want to progress it forward. And, and when you yeah. look at White and Tommy Asio on that right-hand side of the defence, um, listeners last year will know I'm not holding in Chambers' biggest fans, but <laughs> they did a job for us. But when you look at how they play um, compared to Tommy Asio and White, that's the quality difference. And the, the difference is stark in terms of our build-up um, and what those two players can do with the ball, short and long. Um, they've just got a bit more intelligence to be honest and confidence um, hmm. even though they're the younger players so yeah I think props to Edu Arteta in the club for you know uh, underwhelmed a lot of people when there was even you know lots of memes about saying Ramsdale White and Tommy Asu 100 million yeah. um, a lot of our own fans weren't happy with with that allocation of resource but you know, it's still fairly early days, but I think half a season in, we've got a decent sample size now to say that looks um, pretty well spent uh, money. Yeah. And they're all so young. So best days ahead of them as well. So, And, and yes. just one one last thing on that. Like mm -hmm. I'm like kind of, uh, you know, we've talked about like Arteta a lot and like I'm kind of an advocate of his and I think he should stay in. I don't think he's doing like a brilliant job, but I can kind of see what he's trying to do, which is why I think he should stay. But the the thing about the signings that we've made is they could play for many coaches right like you could have uh if a coach came in and for some reason this doesn't work out which it very much could be like you know for, for well uh what's whatever's good like Arteta could get us back into the top four and then he might not be the guy to get us beyond that or he might not get us into the top four and he might not be the guy to to get us to that point at least mm. but like if you were a coach that was coming into this point, like we've talked about Graham Potter, we've talked about Ten, uh, uh, Ten Tag, um, loads of other coaches that have been linked with Arsenal and a, a plethora of other jobs, you've got players in the likes of Tomiyasu, Ben White, um, Ramsdale, that could mould to pretty much any coaches. Like, if you wanted to play a back three, Tomiyasu could play right side of a back three. So I think what the club has also done is we were kind of very much eggs in Arteta's basket to some extent in a massive way last season and giving him everything he wants. And I, I really do think that he wanted a lot of these players and, mm. you know, he was a big part in recruiting Ramsdale. We know that he was a big part in recruiting, um, well, him, him specifically, but Odegaard as well was probably a big part of his. But I think the ones that were, you know, him and Edu were probably Ben White and then Tommy Asu was, I think, more the club and saying, like, what do you think of him? And him, him giving the approval. That's kind of how I read it. But all of those signings, they feel like it's kind of a hedge against, in case this doesn't work, if, mm. if it doesn't work, we can go get someone who would be able to play with all these players and not say like a Conte, like I need loads of wing backs or I need three really big, like good centre backs or I need two strikers up top. Like, you kind of have uh, a coach that could, like any coach could come in and like 
play with those players i think so yeah, yeah kind of kind of interesting interesting from that angle as well which i think is smart from the club yeah it's definitely a strategic shift from the club um to protect themselves as you say you know not just to arteta because yes he's he was influential in these players this summer in, in recruiting them but you could also say he was influential in recruiting Cedric Willian. Yeah. It's come out and said that Arteta really wanted Willian um, or Bamiyang's new contract. So, you know, he may have had a change of heart himself, but I think it's more likely that the club uh, sort of sold the new strategy and, and he sort of had to be on board and then found players from within a, a younger pool. But there's no doubt that Arteta wanted to, to win now when he first came in um, with those signings. Um, but you know we had a debate in the group chat didn't we a couple of weeks ago in terms of young players we often give the benefit of the doubt um, in terms of they can improve they're young they're learning and what we had the debate about mainly me and JB was Arteta is a young coach and and can we can we reasonably assume that he will improve um, like a player would in terms of his first experience this is his first managerial job I think he's clearly learnt some things in his time he's had he's faced some big challenges at Arsenal and and he may then approach um, similar situations differently because of because of, of those experience what's your take I can't remember what your take was at the time so so I think I tweeted after the Villa game um which I thought was really impressive, by the way, like loved the way that we performed that day. And, you know, it's a, it's alongside like a lot of our best performances this season. Uh, I tweeted something like, I think it was like, we've got a bunch of young, we've got the youngest player in the squad, the youngest uh, manager in the, t- in the division. And we've got the youngest squad in the division, the youngest starting lineup. This is how Arsenal should play, but we probably won't do it that often or as often as we'd like as fans because of those facts. And now maybe we can see, like for me anyway, I see that as a green shoot and I see a few other games and the way we've played and handled certain situations as, as green shoots. And like, I know we got battered at Liverpool, but the first 35, if we'd gotten to nil-nil there, I reckon a lot of people would have been tweeting that day like, oh, we actually came to play, um, which was which was interesting, right? And then, you know, the United thing and the Everton thing were actually a lot worse for me. Um so I, I, those green shoots to me show that the, the trajectory is, is kind of slowly going the right way that I'd want it to go. In terms of young players and young coach, like first on the young players part, like I've seen a lot of people tweeting that like, oh, experience is overrated, blah, blah, blah. But like, if you look at the Liverpool squad and you have like Salamane, Firmino, Yotta, and the youngest one there is Yotta, who's like 25, 26. And you've got a back line that includes like a Matip, and a uh, Virgil van Dijk. Like if you compare like, let's say Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's been to back-to-back Champions League finals, is a Premier League winner and has, you know, he has like, I don't know how many England caps, but like he was getting to his second Champions League final when like Saka was playing left wing back. And like Smith Rowe made his his second Premier League start against Chelsea, was it? boxing day last year like 12 months ago so i although i do think like experience maybe a lot of people talk about it too much there is still the big picture idea that like in arteta's first game in charge saka played left back and smith rowe was on the bench and then didn't start until the boxing day um 
uh, game. So I, I think there is going to be, like when people take a big picture approach to this and see how far some of those players have come. And I do think to give Arteta some credit, a lot of those young players have been improved in very specific ways. Like if you look at the way Saka plays right wing now compared to six, 12 months ago, it's much improved. If you look at Martellini now compared to like, you know, when um, Arteta first came in, there's a marked difference and there's a few other players that you can give examples to. I think in terms of Arteta himself and improving, I think, I think the FA Cup win probably added a bit of complacency to not only the club, but like him. And I think, he's probably had to recalibrate massively. And I think that there was that, like, we need to get back into the top four ASAP type thing. And then I think there was probably a point in time where they realized that, like, financially, this club can't go through another cycle of buying a Socrates, by getting a Willian. And, I, you know, he probably definitely takes some responsibility with that alongside, you know, Raul and, and Edu and whoever else. We Like, we can't do any more David Luiz signings and, and give him what was it, 8 million quid and then 8 million signing bonus and then his agent, 8 million pounds. Like it's a lot of money to spend on like a, an old player. So I think at that point they've had to go through this, like blow the project up and, 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 and go through it from the beginning. And I'm kind of hoping that he has learned a bit. The question now is, and I guess this is a very difficult one to answer, is, is he going to improve at the same rate of the players? Because... Mm-hmm. If we kind of took Saka as an example that I just gave, Saka has improved as a player much more than Mikel Arteta has improved as a coach, right? And coaches have much longer careers. Like Mikel Arteta will probably manage football clubs from his age now till he's like 60 or 65, or he probably can do. And a player's career is a lot shorter. So it's maybe, you know, like kind of comparing human to dog years. But in the in the stark reality of things is if the results don't follow and we see that these players are improving the way they do and the league positions and that the progression in competitions don't, then he will have questions to answer. And I think that, you know, there is a reason that he hasn't got a new contract yet, right? Because I I think he's got to earn it. And to do that, he's probably got to like be right up there for a top four sport going into the last few games or, you know, come like fifth, sixth or seventh and win a a League Cup and an FA Cup or whatever it may be. And I think, but I think the broader thing is it's the manner in which we get to those positions as well. Like if we, if we get to, like, I think if we, if we come forth and play really shit the rest of the season, I don't think anyone will care. But I think if we come sixth and we play the way we did at Everton away Mm -hmm. in I don't know, one every three games from now on, people are going to be pissed off and they're going to want him to go. But if we played like we did against West Ham every game and came sixth, I think people would be kind of on board. So I don't know. I think there is a bit of context in terms of how how you do things as well as the what you do. Um, So I'm kind of interested to see how far we go in some of these competitions and, and yeah, where we finish up as well. Yeah, it's definitely all a bit about momentum because I think one of one of my low points under Arteta was was the Villarreal exit last season. If we'd had the second half of the Premier League season in the first half, in the first half, and the second, if you know what I mean, because we were much better in the second half, and combined with the exit to Villarreal, he's probably not still here because mm. he would have gone from fourth to to eighth in the league. 
um, lost to obviously Emery in the Europa League. So a huge part is is seeing that progression. And for me, there's there's no doubt that that young coach will improve. The question is, can we afford for him to, to learn too much with us? Yeah. And, and and as you say, you know, we've got a, a almost golden generation of of young players, particularly with Saka Smith Rowe from the academy. We need to make sure that, um, yeah, as you say, he learns with us. And I think there's evidence of that. Even even down to the game yesterday against West Ham, some of his substitutions were much more positive. I don't know if you noticed with, um, you know, Inketia. I'm not his mm. biggest fan, but Enketia <laughs> for Martinelli, I think it was, or or yeah, Martinelli. When we're one 0 up, I think Arteta previously in previous games could have put Lacongo on, put three in midfield, mm. even holding another centre back. You know, he's done that many times and invite that pressure on. What we've seen in the West Ham and Southampton games is I think he's seen how we've invited a bit of pressure. Um, and the substitutions have been much more positive when we're in the lead, which is nice to see. Obviously, there's there's a place for a defensive substitution. Another mm. one I thought he was maybe going to do is is Tavares for Martinelli and play him. Yeah, I Tierney. thought that as well. But you know, I think that signs clearly that he's, you know, he's he definitely has an ego, but I don't think he's too stubborn to accept um, that that he does have to adapt sometimes. On, on his initial principles. And I think I just had a look at Klopp, uh, Klopp's early career. And um, I think if Klopp's first job was Liverpool, there's no way they would have done what they've done today. Um, he, he had seven years at Mines as his first job and did pretty well, sort of overachieved with them initially. Uh, then they were relegated and he stayed in the second division with them for one season before moving to Dortmund. Obviously did really well there, but equally... The end of his time at Dortmund wasn't particularly good. Um, and then obviously done brilliant at Liverpool. So he would definitely admit that he's learned a hell of a lot, I'm sure, um, before he joined Liverpool. That takes me into the biggest issue I think Arsenal have right now. And and if Arteta were to not be successful come the end of the season, this will, will almost certainly be the undoing. And that's the away form. Mm. Um, so looking at the home and away table... Arsenal are a joint top at the home table, only behind Man City on uh, goal difference, ahead of Liverpool. Uh, even if they won their extra game they'd have, we'd still be a point ahead of Liverpool and everyone else in the league. And am I right in thinking we've scored the third most goals, third or fourth most goals at home as well? Um, so Man City have 25, Chelsea 21, Liverpool 19, Arsenal 17. So a fourth. Okay. okay. Um, but yes, a lot healthier. So 17 for six against at home. Seven wins out of nine, one draw, one loss. Away from home, eight games played, only two wins, one draw, five loss. Is six goals, 16 conceded. And I mean, we saw this, We, you know, we saw it clear as day in the Man United and Everton games. Uh, Man United, I thought we played pretty well in parts. Everton, I thought, was... I tweeted one of my low points of Arteta's tenure. So bad. The same last year when we went there. So I don't know what's going on. I mean, we're bad away, but for some reason we go to a very poor Everton team and and look (laughs) horrendous. Um, And I think, you know, 
obviously teams will be stronger at home in general. That's the case for every team. But to have such a big difference in performance level, if you look, if you watch that game against Everton back, and then you watch us against West Ham at home, who are a it's much better crazy. team, we look a completely different team, and it's actually the exact same eleven because we mm. we've played the same eleven in, in the Everton game. So, what do you think that's down to, Pat? Do you think it's it, it's it's confidence? Because I mean, the players have got the ability. I mean, you have to factor in the fact that the team we're playing are likely to be stronger as well because they've got the fans behind them. But, you know, I can forgive a a slight drop-off in performance, but we need to address the the massive disparity in in performances. What's your take on on that? Who does the blame lie with? Do you think it's Arteta, the players, or is it kind of a bit of both? I I think it's obviously a bit of both, right? Because it's very difficult to imagine Arteta's pre-game t- team talks and also half-time team talks in those away games you could imagine like away you you kind of you you want to still play your football but like I think we've proven that we have the assets to also be quite a good transition side and I do think in our in our next couple of away games we might see that happen in the sense that you know Smith Rowe might come in for Odegaard so we have a bit more legs in the side um from a counter-attacking point of view and I think that in the Everton game especially, um, we did not transition at all when we had the space and then we didn't break down the, te- the team them when they had a deep block. And I think that, yeah, it was it was just such a bizarre game that Everton won and it did make me, it made me feel like, it felt like, do you know what it felt like? It felt like Monaco at home when we needed goals under Wenger. It felt like like for the latter end of Emery's tenure. And then it also felt like when we played Villarreal at home under Arteta, there was something about it where like everything we did, like we just needed to score a goal and we just couldn't. And it was so weird, but like you also played terribly, right? We also played mm. terribly. But even then it's like, you know, Ketia misses an open goal, etc., etc. And I think there was some naivety on the pitch that night in the sense that at 1-1, and I think Gunnar Blog said this quite a few times on, on the Arscast and stuff. It was like, don't lose, don't lose from there. And I think that, yeah, maybe, maybe we do have to take, and I know we had this debate about kind of like the Leicester game and whether or not we played well there or not. But like what we can say about that game, at least is that Arsenal looked quite resilient and they were very competitive and like physically we were really good. And against Everton, against United and against Liverpool, I think from minute like 35 on, we did not have that resilience and so we didn't have that com- combativeness. And I think that like, if I had to pigeon, like, like press it on, on one thing, that would be it. And I'm very curious to see now how we do against uh, Leeds and then Norwich respectively. Cause I mm. think that's a really big opportunity for us to, to get six points from two, from one team. That's probably the, alongside Everton, I mean, I'm cursing us now, mm. the most off-form team, uh, off form team in the league, and then a Norwich side who, a Norwich and probably going to go down, right? So, um, and I think, do you know what? There's one thing that I will say that I probably give Arteta some criticism is that he seems like a really ruthless manager, right? We've seen that enough times when it comes to Ozil. We've seen that... Um, in terms of what's happened with the Bamyang. And I think, do you know what, on board level as well, 
he's seen an opportunity when Raul, Sven, etc. have gone to like get more power in the club. And I think that was quite like a ruthless move. He probably talked that over with Edu and, 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 and Josh Crowing and stuff. I didn't see that translate in the Everton game on the pitch. And what I, what I mean by that is like, you expect a manager to be in that dressing room pre-game and say, these guys are like on their haunches. They're, they're a wounded animal. Like we could get Rafa sacked tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. We need to be out there and like ruthless and have that killer instinct. And I think he thinks he has that. And I think he's done some things to show us that he has this non-negotiables, ruthless type thing all around him, which to some degree have hurt him in, in, in specific situations. And it's been good for him and others. But that was perhaps on the coaching side, the most disappointing thing to me that if you saw him yesterday at West Ham, he was screaming every second. And every time there was a foul on a player, he was off like him and the whole coaching coaching staff off the benches. Every player was surrounding the referee. And I feel like the Everton game, we one, didn't have the ruthlessness to put them away when we were one nil up. Two, every time they kicked the shit out of us, there was no, you know, Tommy Asu got kicked in the face and just got off, got up and walked away, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think there was something that he just did not do to that team that day. And I think it's a general way thing anyway. Maybe they just need to kick up their ass because we, they don't have the fans to do it for them. So I think to criticize Arteta on that specific point is he's shown us that he's a ruthless manager and a coach. We need that to translate on the pitch in the players, especially away from home. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a big test. Um, Leeds and Norwich, as you say, I think Leeds have news has come out today. They've only got ten outfield play, senior outfield players fit, um, mm. not due to COVID, just just due to the fact they've got a very small squad that they work extremely yeah. hard. And Bielsa's in that um, time in his uh, era Bielsa at Leeds. Burnout, isn't it? Yeah, this is a bit interesting, but. As we've seen, Arsenal can be the fuel to reinvigorate Man United, who are in terrible form, uh, especially at home when we went there. Everton looked terrible, were terrible on the night. They weren't good against us and they continue to be terrible. They They were terrible at the weekend as well. So, yes, taking nothing for granted. Norwich, rock bottom of the league, just looking at their home form. They've only won one of their nine home games. We also do have an AFL quarterfinal in the middle of that, right? Yes, home to Sunderland between those two games. So, A good chance to get into the semis. Great chance to get into the semis. Also a good chance to rotate the team, you think. Mm. You know, we could probably put out a complete different 11 and and still have quite a strong team because we're we're quite lucky at the moment. We haven't got any um, real injuries, do we, in the squad? Do you reckon Aubameyang comes back for that one? And maybe that's a good segue to talk about him. It's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, Arteta's been very closed about it. He he clearly doesn't want to commit to any return date. Um, I think we're just only speculating about what's happened behind the scenes. But what I'd say is it seems to me that Aubameyang's probably not taken it particularly well. and, And that's why he can't put a date on it. And he wants the player to be fully committed before he comes back into the group. Um, and I think, you know, he alluded to it, didn't he, that there'd been a lot of problems. You know, this wasn't an isolated incident that caused the the captaincy to be stripped. And if we think back to the Everton game, this was well before we knew there was a problem. He was obviously dropped from the team, which we we understood because he'd been so poor in yeah. in, in the last few games. 
But remember Nketiah coming on before him was the big surprise. And and I just wonder if there's been something for a couple of weeks now um, between the manager and the striker, because you go back a month, Arteta was singing his praises when he said this mm. is the best Aubameyang I've seen. Yeah, and yeah. he was playing well, he was working hard, but there was a, a noticeable drop off in his form. And then, as I say, in the Everton game, where he was the final throw of the dice after Nketiah, and then he, he missed a <laughs> missed big chance, chance yeah. as well, didn't he? So I just think there's a lot going on there. And I wonder if, with the African Cup of Nations coming up, if it goes ahead, of course, I wonder if Arteta, there's an argument, isn't there, to get him back involved before then, or to, to leave him out for a considerable time and just let him go to to that competition. What's your... What's your feeling with it? Because we've got him for 18 more months on a contract. Um, and it's a like contract that, that Arteta signed off on, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he's obviously on big wages and we, you know, the world's moving into another way of COVID to whether we get a suitable offer for him and someone willing to pay that money. Um, I don't know. Do, do you see it like that? That it's the club will be looking to sell him? Because... I've just seen rumours coming out that Arsenal are looking for two strikers. Um, obviously, Lacazette going in six months. Yeah. So if we're looking to sell Aubameyang as well, and Ketia going in six months, two strikers well, I mean, could come in. After yeah, I, I I do think they will have to right either that or it's a Lacazette extension for a year, which I I don't think I think the consensus is no one wants that um, mm. unless you brought in like Erling Haaland and he was like second fiddle <laughs> to him. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just not it's not really the wisest idea. Um, with Aubameyang, the interesting thing to me is should we sell him? Should we not? Will an offer come in? I don't think I don't think many offers will come in. Um, but that being said, if we'd got an offer for Aubameyang for any reason in the summer. I think every club, every 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 supporter would have been kind of okay with him being sold. Mm-hmm. And and again, like I'm not saying like if he was sold for like 10 million quid or whatever, but like say if we got, you know, 20, 25, whatever it might have been. There is though, interestingly, a lot of teams that do need forwards right now. Mm. So if you go and look at Barca, who are the ones that are linked, Aguero is obviously retired. Memphis is being, I don't know, rested or is injured at the moment because he's played every single minute of Barcelona and uh, Holland's games. Um, they've got, uh, you know, they, they, they've got, is it De Jong is their, basically their second choice striker there. He's obviously always talked about wanting to play in Spain. Um, you've also got Juventus who have basically got Morata and Moise Keane up top as their two striking options. Um, and I think with him and Nicola Pepe, um, who's the other one we maybe we'll talk about later, there is going to be something if they go, like they're either going to stay and see out their contracts, but if they do go, it's going to be some sort of loan with a with a obligation to buy. And in that loan, we're probably going to have to pay half their wages or whatever um, mm. for accountancy reasons. Like a, a team like Barca isn't going to be able to buy him. I do think like if you can shift him, it's probably the right thing to do. Like we've, we've given Arteta the keys to, to, to sort like basically sign the entire defense um, apart from Tierney. Like the midfield is coming together in the sense that like, 
we're hoping that party gets there at some point smith throw odegaard saka look really bright we know what xhaka's got like Lekonga is a very promising signing maitland shown he can do a shift there like so when you know that cycle of midfielders is over in the sense that you know shaq is no longer a starter who comes in ahead of him uh is how lakonga is going to develop we don't know it's the forward areas that now seem to be the part that we need a massive overhaul in uh mm. before it was the defense now it's the now it's the forwards and maybe the midfielders uh you know if we were going to sign players in, in in the summer it'd be like two strikers a central midfielder and maybe a right back but like now we need to basically think about like how that forward line is 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 improved and 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 we move on from this one because yeah i think it's a shame because like i think he's really likable bamiang but and i think he's done really well for us right if you, i think if you think about i think it's only salah and kane have scored more premier league goals than him since he's come into the league so that's like a pretty amazing accomplishment right he's uh come in and scored loads of goals for us but the captaincy thing is he going to get over it? Because I think he still will have a, a role to play, right? Like, I think having him on the bench and getting him on the pitch rather than Ketia is probably ideally what Arteta wants to do. But I think if there is an option in January f- to, to shift him, I mm. think it would be better for the harmony of the squad. And I think it would be it would probably put more pressure on the board and, and whoever is going to have to make those funds available to be like you know let, let's go try and sign a striker in, in in january because you know if we get to january which we do look like and we're going to be in striking distance with it to fourth why wouldn't you try and push the boat out like obviously mm. don't panic and, and buy someone but if a player becomes available that is also going to be part of your long-term plans a la odegaard last last january like you've got to do it right i think yeah I think exactly that. If if fourth is looking possible, if United and Spurs and, and West Ham, you know, are, have dropped off a bit, and it looks like it's there, and there is an offer for for Aubameyang, then add an extra ten million to one of your your targets for for the summer, and I'm sure you get him. You know, there's a lot of clubs that, if we think of some of the strikers we want, um, potentially Isaac from Sociedad. Uh, Jonathan David from Lille, who who will sell anyone with a good when a good offer arrives, um, you know a lot of these clubs that we're chasing chasing the solutions from. I don't think they will be as strong batting off offers in January as as what a, a regular environment club would do um, because of the situation. And yes, we're not going to get much transfer free from Aubameyang. We're not going to get anything from Lacazette or mm. Enketia. Pepe, we're going to get something very limited, um, probably if we sell him. Which I think at this point, if clearly he's he's well down the packing order, he's got too much talent and and worth to to stay. It, we, we'd be better selling him. But between those three, Pepe or Balakazet, you've got what seven hundred grand in wages. <laughs> I mean, what's Pepe on like one hundred fifty? Lacazette about the same. Aubameyang's on a base of at least 250. So when you yeah. factor in bonuses, yeah, it's probably there or thereabouts, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yes, we're going to have to find some money for the initial fee for for the one, well, two forwards we're going to need. But I think it gives us a lot of flexibility in there. Already reduced wage bill, by the way, we're working to a much smaller wage bill than we had last season, which we have to do with no Europe. But say we get back in Europe next season, 
We Sell Aubameyang Pepe release, Lacazette and Ketia. There is room there on the on the wage bill to to get some serious players in. And if we've got if we somehow manage to get fourth, which I, I do think is probably out of reach for us, but if we somehow did, then you know what's stopping us getting back in the market for these for these best players um, and trying to attract them because it does feel like that is the last pieces to the jigsaw we need. There's too much talent in Pepe or Bamiang and Lacazette, too much wages to keep them at the club when they're not the right fit for, for yeah. what we need. Um, and, I, and I think Lacazette could go and play for Marseille and do really well. Like I mm. think he could go and score like 15 to 20 league goals a season or, you know, play for like a Roma or whatever and do pretty well. I think a Bamian could go to, you know, Barcelona and score and assist 25 goals a season. Like It's definitely mm. possible. And I think Pepe could go, you know, sit on the bench at Bayern and, and, and walk into 20 goals and assists a season. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, mm. like they're clearly good players in their own right, Like, but I just don't think it's going to work in that way. And I think, you know, particularly with Pepe, he's at the two-year mark. You either give him a new contract, you sell him and like, every single week Saka proves like Arteta right and every single week Martinelli is proving that he's he's he should be having those minutes and Smith Rowe comes on and scores so it's kind of like where is the room there for him mm. um but I but I guess like the the last thing we probably want to talk about is what what do you going to see going forward in terms of like squad building wise because I think we went into the summer last season and I think when we did the last podcast thinking yeah, we need uh, a central midfielder and we need a right back and we probably need like a back, like a left back cover. And we ended up getting a goalkeeper, centre back, right back, uh, you know, backup central midfielder. And it was, it was a pretty, pretty big window for us. Mm. Like what, what do you think we're going to do? And what are the types of profiles of players that you think we're going to target, and like, is there anyone that's caught your eye who you think like might be might be someone that you'd really want at Arsenal? Yeah, I think in terms of the forward situation, because there's so much to do there. You know, we've got Pepe, Orba, Laka, and Ketia. That, that's four players who have had minutes this season, and, and maybe even Balagoon going on loan again next season. Yeah, or is he going to stick I, around and stay on the bench? I don't know. I think it's pretty much certain that he's going to go out on loan in January yeah um, there's been quite a lot of talk of that so yeah but next season that's another question but you know I mean there's four four senior player futures there to sort I wouldn't want to be doing all of that in the summer so I would really like one of our two forwards to come in January um, and, and as I explained previously I think it's achievable um, for a club of our size and and with the money we've got I think we can you know, to help this season for one, but also to, to give us less to do in the summer, less adjusting to two brand new forwards at the start of mm. next season. You know, let's be proactive and and get one of these players in. And in terms of the profile of who that is uh, in January, I think it depends on on which one we we sell. Um, obviously, Aubameyang, if there's an offer, um, then we need a replacement for him. But equally, Lacazette, uh, I don't. I think he will see it out his contract, but it's not impossible that he goes. If someone comes in with 20, 25 million for Pepe, you know, are we looking at replacing with a sort of more wide forward? So 
I think we've got to be flexible. I think the club knows what they they want from the sort of two replacements for those three. Um, there's quite a lot of players that that I like. I think there's a lot of forwards actually that that are available um, over the next six months. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk with Vlahovic, but I've not really seen much of him uh, live. Um, I know the stats for him aren't brilliant, but ultimately his goal stats are great, but his sort of overall stats aren't great. And, um, what you would say David, about Vlahovic as well is that he's very young. Like I think mm. people think he's like a 26-year-old, 27-year-old player that you're giving like a big contract to. He is yeah. like, what, 22? So, And that's super young for a striker. Like strikers usually mature later. So mm. apart from like an Mbappe Haaland. Um, so yeah. A player I really like, but wary from from what happened with with Pepe, and I think he cost close to that amount probably. Um, is Jonathan David, and, and Arsenal mm. were looking at him before he moved to Lille. Um, but I've seen him quite a lot, and I think he potentially, if we're going to work with a Lacazette, more Lacazette style striker, he's someone who could come in and do that job because he's he's almost a second striker. Mm. Um, he often plays in a two at Lille. Uh, leads the line for Canada. He's 21, really young. You know, a lot of development ahead for him. So my only question would be, we're losing a lot of experience. Um, and yeah, it's not particularly been valuable experience in Aubameyang recently. But I think yesterday in the game against West Ham, we saw La- the value of Lacazette's experience. He brought yeah. in the players around him. So I think if we lose all of that experience in the final third, um, if we were getting Jonathan David as one, we we might want to get someone a bit more established, a bit more physical um, as the other. So I think we've got to be flexible, as I say, with with who goes. You know, mindful we're almost writing off Pepe here, but and I think it is likely that he will go. But equally, we were all writing off Martin. You know, we hadn't seen Martinelli for ages a month yeah. ago, and we, and we thought Arteta just doesn't fancy him. We're just going to have to cash in. And look at him now, you, you know, he, he's keeping Smith-Rowe out, out of the team Yeah. Um, when he's come back from injury. Even Erdegaard, you know, couldn't get into the starting lineup a month ago. People were questioning that move. Was that the right money spent when we've got Smith-Rowe? Breaks into the team, scores four Premier League games in a row, I think it was. So, you know, it's not necessarily done. I think it's it's done for Lacazette and Nketiah because um, their contracts are coming to an end. And it's almost certainly done for Aubameyang yeah. as well, I would say, beyond this summer. But, what, um, yeah. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is, like, what what were the positions that you would want to strengthen in the summer? So I think, again, it will depend on what we're facing next season. You know, if we're in the Champions League, if we miraculously make it to the Champions League, there's probably quite a few areas um, the certain ones are two forwards and a centre midfielder for me. Those those are the absolute must, no matter what situation not, we find not, You don't think a right back is, is quite important? I think if we were, weren't in Europe next season, we don't need we don't need a right back. Um, if even if we're in the Europa League, uh, it's probably next on the list. But I would I would love to get you know, the best quality centre midfielder and two strikers, two forwards is the absolute priority for me. I think Leno, we're probably facing him leaving. 
yeah. uh, you know, if Ramsdale keeps him out. So we're probably going to have to look at an appropriate backup goalkeeper, which isn't isn't straightforward, as we saw with Renarsson um, before. <laughs> so I, I would like to, yeah, backup goalkeeper probably. Um, and who knows what's going to happen? I mean, unfortunately, we're getting to the stage with some of these players where some big clubs may come with the money. You, know, you yeah, think it, I mean that has it feels like that hasn't happened for a while, right? Exactly, and it's it's just purely because we've not been good enough. But if Saka and Smith Rowe continue on their trajectory, um, you know, even Gabriel, I think some big European clubs would be very interested yeah. in him. I think he could work across all of Europe's top leagues, and uh, and I think he's sort of going under the radar a little bit, but he's incredibly solid. Um, yeah. So we might be facing the unfortunate, especially if we get sort of Europa League or even not Europe. I I think we will lose a big player. Kind of feels luxury at the moment. We're talking about what are the missing gaps, but unless we're in the Champions League, I think we might have a a bit of harsh reality as to to where we are. Um, Mm. And yeah, especially players like Gabriel sort of scares me because he's not got the emotional ties to the club really. You know, like making captain, making captain. Yeah, and I think, I think White would go, and not necessarily next season, but I think if he continues to be great, I could see, you know, another big Premier League club going for him. Yeah, even Ramsdale. You know, you know, <laughs> we, we shouldn't be thinking like that. But <sighs> we shouldn't. The situation changed. They'll stay. They'll stay. And who knows who might emerge? You know, we had so, Smith so Rowe. That's, that, that's the other thing, right? Like. And I haven't listened to the uh, Arsenal Vision podcast. The um, the uh, what was it? The, the the academy one. But I met like an under twenty threes coach, um, coincidentally at an event. They had nothing mm. to do with football, and um, you know he was talking about Saka and how amazing he is and stuff. But he was just saying that like every year the quality of the players at Hayland, and then you know when they get to London, London Colney, just gets better and better. And it's kind of scary to think, right, we've got two central midfielders there in Miguel Aziz and Charlie Patino that everyone's raving about. And I asked him about them and he was just like, yeah, they're just amazing. And you're seeing like Miguel Aziz get minutes now on loan at Portsmouth. You know, Patino is still super young, but like him, those two, you've got um, a, a few pretty interesting forwards as well there. Um as you said, like you never know who's going to emerge. Like um, there could be some academy breakouts in the next two to three years, especially if we're in a, a conference, Europa conference or Europa league where we will we'll probably see a lot of these players like shine, um, which would be very interesting um, mm. for me. Like I, I would definitely look at getting like a right back. And I think that, you know, there's, there's rumors of Serginho Dest at Barcelona might, might be having to be sold. Uh, I, I'm quite a big fan of his, like his, previous club Ajax uh Masrawi has actually got no years left on his contract so he can actually go for free uh in Jan like I wonder if that's something that 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 an Arsenal would look at and if I look beyond and I look at like whose contracts are expiring in in 2023 there are some interesting names on that list like we've got Vlahovic obviously who's who's going to be touted by a lot of clubs but I think the general consensus is that he's going to stay in the Premier League there is also Serge Gnabry, 
which is a really, really interesting one. Like it wouldn't mm. have happened. He always said he, he wanted to... to come back. Well, you've mm. always talked about Raheem Sterling. I personally am not a big fan of that move. If it was to ever happen, I think he's someone that has had. He's like twenty-seven, going on twenty-eight, but he's a player that has a lot of minutes in his legs, and you know he would he would be very expensive and um, command big wages. Uh, I'm a big fan of Fabian Ruiz at, at Napoli, but again, like, are you gonna do you take him um, from a Champions League club? Uh, Yuri Tielemans, a very interesting one as well, obviously at Leicester. Um, but what I actually think we might see more of from Arsenal is more of these smart, uh, low-risk bets in the likes of um, Tomiyasu. And so I think we're going to be surprised by the names that are profiled, like Lukonga, mm. Tomiyasu were players that we weren't really linked with before. Um, Dennis linked and... to the Barzell striker today. He scored a lot of goals. I've never seen him play live, but Cabral scored no. sort of a goal a game in in Switzerland. So, I mean, there's Awar as well, who's looked really. I've like I've watched him a few times for Leon this season, and he's he's looked really really good. But obviously, there must be a reason, right, why no one's gone for him yet. There's also mm. Renato Sanchez we've been linked with. Um, for me, I'm interested in like. Yeah, who are the who are the profile of players that are going to be signed or looked at by Arsenal that aren't very obvious? Like, you know, Eve Basuma's had some some issues. Like, is he ever going to like get back into kind of the headlines there? Um, you've got Marcus Turam, who was kind of like on everyone's a name on everyone's lips. Like this time last summer, has had some disciplinary issues and like not played very well. Um, I, I'm quite a big fan of, uh, again, looking like mid-table or mid-to-upper in other leagues. I'm quite a big fan of uh, Amin Guiri at Nice. Um, that kind of profile, he's not like a number nine, but like still really, really good player, really interesting player. Um, I know Patrick Schick's having a really good season at Leverkusen as well. Mm. Um, one player that I've watched a, a bit recently as well is Beto at Udinese. Like very similar to Ishak, but kind of a bit bit broader and a bit bigger and a bit more physically imposing, but still really good and only like 24. So I think there is going to be, you know, there's like Jeremy Boger at Swasolo. He's more of a winger, not a forward. But like there are a lot of players out there um, and I'm just kind of hoping that our luck doesn't run out in terms of uh, players that we sign type of thing. Mm, I think it's a bit of a guessing game as to what Arteta exactly wants from a striker. You know, Lacazette and Aubameyang are both very different and they both at times sort of cemented themselves in, in the 11 for him. So it's going to be really interesting to see who he goes for. You've got me excited about Nabry. Hopefully they, they uh, let him go. Get We get Champions League football. I've just looked up. He scored a hat trick and got two assists at the weekend. So they probably <laughs> won't let him go. Um, I'm not going to pronounce his name very well, but the Brug, young lad, lad for Brug and Belgium, the Ketelaar. Oh yeah, yeah, it's he's an interesting good. You know, one. Another one in Belgium, Noah Lang. Yeah, looks really, yeah, really more good of a wide, as well. wide forward. But um, we've been linked, but but I think you know if you look at the in the Premier League as well, we've been linked with Dominic Calvert Lewin really heavily. I'm a big fan of Ollie Watkins as well. Um, I also think like if a Leeds go down or are close to it, could you go and get Rafinha? I know we have abundance of positions in uh, players in that position in those positions, but like. If Pepe was to go and Abamyang was to go, suddenly you've got three options for two wide slots and you've got a Martinelli who might end up as a striker. You've got a Smith Rowe who can play as a 10. You've got a Saka that can play anywhere. 
I do wonder if we do make that kind of move uh, where you bring in a player that we don't expect to play to bring or like you bring in a player in a position that we're really strong in because it's opportunist and maybe Mm. it's very difficult to turn down being able to buy a player of that quality because if you don't buy him, he's going to go to like a, you know, a Liverpool or a Chelsea or United because he's that good. So Mm. very interested to see if that kind of opportunist uh, type signing pops up as well for Arsenal. Yeah, I, I think, as I said, I think we need one more experienced and one younger forward at yeah. the two forwards. And I think we'll get it. And I think the, the experienced one will be interesting. There's loads of young strikers around. If he's more more physical striker he wants, Darwin Nunes from Benfica, we were linked about 18 months ago. He's a bit iffy. He's quite poor against us. Um, I remember in the Europa League, but he's really hit form this season, looking really good. He's sort of 21, 22. Linked last Nunes, season to yeah. Lautaro Martinez. You know, if we got Champions League football and and the likes of Barcelona and Madrid are still cash-strapped or hunting Mbappe, then why not? Why couldn't we go for someone like him? He did sign um, a new deal though, didn't he? Yeah, but I think money talks with, with clubs like Inter. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a player in Italy the Premier is... League is powerful. A player in Italy is doing really well is Gianluca Scamacca at Suassolo. But again, he's going to be like Italy's front uh, future number nine and is going to want to stay in Italy. So I'd be shocked if he came over. Mm. Um, but there are quite a few options. I mean, the thing is as well, it might not necessarily be a player that's doing amazing. And I know that sounds weird, but like you look at Sebastian Haller going to Ajax and scoring loads of goals. You look at... Um, Andre Silva going back to Eintracht Frankfurt, Stanley scoring. Mm. You see like Ancelotti coming in. Well. Yeah, like Luka Jovic scoring goals um, there. So it's it's quite interesting. My my most interesting one to look at, though, is whether or not Saliba's going to stay. Because I think that is... It's almost as if people are so on the fence about that as into fans, because we've got pretty much no information on it. Like, mm. And I've been trying to read into things like... You know, when you read the loan report on the Arsenal website, we say, like, our centre-back, William Saliba, and then they don't refer to other players like that. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, there might be just small things like that. But we're trying to create that narrative that, that we want him to stay and, you know, c- control the the PR behind it if he decides to leave. But again, like, even if he does decide to leave, and I really hope he doesn't because I really like him and I think he's great, you're talking about a player that would command a big fee there. Mm. Like... So we absolutely I, need European football for so many reasons. I mean, he yeah. only stays if we got it. We touched on academy breakouts, um, which Europa League would give the opportunity to do so. And we need to, we're not going to keep all of these players, but we need to do a bit of a Chelsea on, on some of them, don't we? They make, seem to make about 50 million every year off, off some graduates that you know aren't good enough for their team. Or that they deem not good enough, um, that they sell, and they've got another one, Gallagher, at yeah. Palace at the moment, haven't they? Which is still uh, still on loan. I doubt they bring Bro, him back yeah. next season. I think they'll they'll probably sell him for what 30, 40 million. Yeah, Bro, yeah, and then they've also got Billy Gilmore out there as well. So lots of lots of good players. Yeah, the, the final name I was going to say is uh, Julian Alvarez from River Plate. Mm. Um, I've actually. Going back, what's quite a lot of Argentinian football, um, specifically River Plate, and he's been 
really exciting and had a massive breakout season. Top scorer. He scored a ridiculous amount of goals and assists, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Massive transition it would be. I mean, we've seen, I must say, the Argentinian league has been particularly poor um, this season. And, you know, the level of opposition he's playing against there versus Premier League is, is completely different. So if he was one of the two, I think you definitely need a, a more experienced second option. But he's another interesting name. You know, it's not Brazil, it's Argentina, but Edu's got those kind of South American league links. I know we've we've got scouting going on out there, so that might be one to watch as well. Lots of options. I think we've got no excuses. Wenger's excuse used to always be... Not the right player. There wasn't The player wasn't available, you know. So, um, yeah, it'll be an exciting time. And, and as I say, I just hope something happens in January on that forward front because... I think it will make a, a real difference if we can get a head start. Yeah, and if we can if we can nudge us even closer to top four, even if we don't make it and the trajectory is the right way and we're playing the football we want to see and players are improving and people still don't hate Arteta, then I think we'll be on a better better base, right? But mm. um, let's see. Potential signings for the summer, we'll see a better Arsenal from January to end of the season and, and see that potential, so... That's an important aspect of it as well. But um, I think we'll wrap it up there. We've had plenty to talk about after having, what, four months out. Um, So hopefully that wasn't too scattered for everyone. Um, We decided to sort of focus on bigger picture items because no point jumping back in with a West Ham post-match review and just pretending like nothing's ever happened. We've done it for all the other games. So, um, yeah, it's been good to get back on. We're working on getting Carl and JB away from their holidays and, and, and back <laughs> behind the mic. So they should be joining us soon. They've not signed any other deals as of yet, although January transfer window is approaching. Um, but we're hoping to secure them down. So thanks very much for listening, everyone, and staying with us. If you've come back and got this far, you are one of the true Fresh Arsenal pod ultras. So we thank you very much. Pat, it's been a pleasure to to chat again. Do you want to do a little shout out in case we've got any new new followers and maybe a bit uh, of an update on what you've been doing because a lot's changed for you, hasn't it, in the last few months? Yeah, uh, I'm at Copper90 at the moment as the head of crypto, which is very much a made-up role. Um, they let me choose what it was called, which is quite <laughs> fun. Um, doing quite a, a few things in that space, but mainly like that the niche has become more well, like the, the things that I'm looking at, like football, media and crypto. And then where football and crypto overlap, I'm, I'm kind of trying to distill and, and, and cut through all the noise and the kind of scamminess and, and, and that kind of notion from both sides. I think there's, there's a bridge to be made and, and trying to do my best there. So, I mean, you can follow all that kind of stuff on, on Twitter at Pet Barisha. So P E T B E R I S H A. And then, I've got a newsletter called Sporting Crypto. So if you just type in sportingcrypto.substack, it should come up. So yeah, check that out. Good stuff. Good stuff. And I've been Ollie Price Bates. You can find me at Ollie Price Bates on Twitter. If this is your first time listening to us, please subscribe on whatever you're listening on. Um, you can interact with us on Twitter at Fresh Arsenal Pod, which has died in the last few months, as did our podcast, but we will be back active on there. So send in your reflections, questions and thoughts out of the next podcast. Thank you very much.
Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.